In the fifth century BC, there was a war going on between Greeks and Persians. And there was a major battle that happened that the Greeks defeated the Persians at the Battle of Marathon. And after the Battle of Marathon, the Greeks sent a messenger. They sent a messenger to run the 25 miles between the town of Marathon and Athens to deliver the news to the government officials, victory for the Greeks. And so this messenger was sent and he ran 25 miles. He showed up, he delivered the news, the good news of victory, and then he promptly fell over and died. The first person to run a marathon, it cost him his life. So what I want to know is who was the first person to say, let's try it again. (laughs) We know that sometimes being sent, that going on a mission can be risky. It can be dangerous. We've been going through this series, like Carrie said a second ago, on dangerous Prayers, and every week we've had to make the case that praying these things, clean my heart, oh God, let, let your will be done, and break my heart for what breaks yours, that it's dangerous to sometimes pray this way, but when we say send me, I think most of us can get our heads around why being sent might at least make us uncomfortable. Some of us don't even like to be sent to the grocery store or to the kitchen to do the dishes. Being sent can be uncomfortable, it can be risky, it can be dangerous. But what we've said is, we wanna pray this way. We wanna pray this way, not just the other prayers, but to pray, send me. Because when we read the Bible, when we read stories of faithful men and women of the faith, we don't read stories about people that sat nicely in pews and went on their way. We read stories of people that were sent out into the world to live on behalf of what God was doing in their lives and in the world. And and so we pray, send me. And we lean into this prayer this morning to become just the latest of God's people who say, God, whatever you're up to, whatever you want to do in my life, I'm in. So we pray, send me to join in with God's people around the world to do what God desires to do. And so we're going to look at a story in in the Bible this morning where that happens to Isaiah. So if you have Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 6. Would love for you to follow along in your own Bibles. We'll have the text on the screen and I'll be reading from the ESV. So Isaiah was a prophet. Isaiah was a prophet who lived about 750 years or so before the time of Jesus. If you know biblical history, and if you don't, that's absolutely fine. But if you know biblical history, it's about 250 years after the time of King David. So Isaiah is a prophet to the nation of Judah, and Judah is one of two nations that split from the original nation of Israel. And as a prophet... Isaiah is God's mouthpiece. He's meant to be God's messenger to the people on behalf of what God wants to say and do in their lives. And this is the story of Isaiah's commissioning. So let's 
Follow along Isaiah 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called to another and they said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And then Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. Let's stop right there. So King Uzziah dies and then Isaiah has this weird vision, this terrifying, earth-shaking vision that God is on the throne. So what's that all about? So if we're thinking about what it means to pray, send me, we have to know that to pray, send me, starts as a response to God's desires for the world. To be sent is always a response to God. See, this vision does not come out of nowhere. What you have to know is Uzziah was king of Judah. And you have no idea who Uzziah is. But here's the thing. Uzziah was a good king. He wasn't a great king. He wasn't a perfect king. But during Uzziah's reign in Israel or in Judah, things were stable. Politically, economically, things were good. And that's rare in the nation of Israel's history because Israel and Judah they, they, they sat in this very important piece of land between the deserts to the east and the Mediterranean Sea to the west. Most major commerce in the known world had to go through their land. It was a very important piece of land politically and economically. And so they had lots of upheaval and lots of surrounding nations had designs for Israel and Judah's land. But while Uzziah had been king of Judah, Things were stable and fine. So when it says that Uzziah died, it's not just marking time. It's saying that everyone in the nation of Judah was now in an uproar. What's going to happen? I mean, in any nation in history, much less in ancient nations, when the king died and there was political instability, you had no idea what was going to happen. And so because Isaiah was the one who spoke on behalf of God to the people, he has this vision of God 
massively sitting on this massive throne attended to by these strange angels with six wings to show that though Uzziah is off the throne, God is not. And that they should be certain that though one king has died and another king will rise, that God still has his plan for both his people and history, and it is still very much in play. And so this vision that Isaiah gets is to remind him and to remind God's people that God has desires for the world. That the God who made them loves them and wants a relationship with them. And the reason he has a people in the first place is so that that people could represent God's heart to the world. That God's justice and his mercy, that God's love and his forgiveness that would, would, would be manifest, would be made known because of the way a certain people lived together. That people was Judah then. It is the church today, but it starts with God's desires for the world. So if we say, send me, we might go, man, I, I have no idea where to be sent or why I'm being sent or where I'm going or who I'm being sent to. And it's okay because it's not about you. You're not the hero of this story. God is the one who does the sending because God is the one who has desires for humanity. We're just called to say, send me, God, I'll play along. And to trust that he will take us where he wants to take us and use us how he wants to use us. We might find ourselves much like Isaiah. In verse 5, what does Isaiah say? Woe is me. Woe is me. I am lost. I am confused. I have no idea what's going on. You feel like that sometimes? The great thing is, the beautiful thing is, the wonderful thing is, you don't have to have it all together to be sent. You don't need to have it all together. Isaiah says, the task is great. It's big, it's huge, and I'm so small and so inadequate and so broken. If you go back and read the first five chapters of the book of Isaiah, what you'll find is that God's people had been accused of being what they would call vain worshipers and idol worshipers, which is to say that they were doing the right things with their lips, but with their hearts and their minds, they were not honoring God. So that's why he says, I'm a person of unclean lips and my people have unclean lips. Because they've said, yeah, God is great, we love God. But with their lives, they haven't actually lived out that they trusted in God, that they loved God, that they desired for God's leading of their life. The second week of this series, we prayed, clean my heart, O God. Create in me a clean heart to, to know my sin. We often have obstacles to us saying, send me. I want to share one of those obstacles that's happened in my life. A couple of churches ago, I was working at a church in Dallas, and I had someone come up to me and say, we're taking a group to put in a clean water well in Central America. Would you like to go? And I said, sure, that sounds like, sounds like fun. But as the day got closer, I realized I had no idea how to put in a clean water well anywhere. And I was really nervous that we had to go dig a well, and honestly, I'm not much of a digger, so I was really nervous. 
Lo and behold, it turns out you drill wells that are 300 feet in the ground, so that's a good thing, right? So we flew to Honduras, a team of people. Again, I was nervous and had no idea what I had got myself into, but I said, sure, I'll go. And we land in Tegucigalpa. We, we drive four hours to this remote village in Honduras. And the night before we are starting to drill, we're sitting at dinner, and there's an in-country director for this ministry. He's a Honduran man. And there's an issue. And the issue is this. He doesn't speak English very well, and he talks really fast. And I know it's ironic that I'm saying he's talking fast, but just bear with me. He's talking really fast, and I'm catching maybe one of every four sentences. And I'm so nervous, and I have no idea what we're doing tomorrow, and I'm so worried I'm going to mess up. And he says, every, I hear crystal clear, crystal clear. Everything will be fine tomorrow if you just remember one thing. And then he said it, and I have no idea what he said. (laughs) And I was too nervous to ask him to repeat himself. So he left, and I didn't sleep all night. I'm telling you, I was a pastor on a mission trip saying, I have no idea what to do. But I had raised my hand and said, God, send me. Now, what happened from that story was I had a great experience and learned a lot about drilling and over the next decade took eight or nine teams of of adults to drill wells in Central America because of that trip. But I had no idea what I was doing. I had this major obstacle that I had no clue what was going on. And, And many of us faced obstacles, faced obstacles in our lives to saying... Send me. We face obstacles of sin, that we are so distracted and so selfish and so caught up on our own needs and our own stuff that we can't even raise our hands or raise our heads. We have obstacles of comfort and clarity, that we like it where we are. We like our routines. We like what comes easy. And if we can't see clearly exactly where to go, we're just going to sit and be comfortable. We have obstacles of fear and insecurity. I'm not good enough. How could God ever use me? I'm not seminary trained. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a missionary. We have all of these obstacles. It's what Isaiah says, woe is me, I am lost. And God says, hold on, watch this. And the massive angel with six wings takes a coal off the altar, flies down and touches it to his lips. It sounds painful. It's a sign of purity. He's saying, no, Isaiah, you can't do it, but I can. And he removes the barriers to Isaiah being able to say, send me, God. And for each and every one of us, God looked upon us and sent his son Jesus to die on the cross and rise from the dead so that the obstacles to our life with God, our full life with God, being both forgiven of sins and being sent out into the world could be removed. He removes the obstacles to our full and flourishing faith, to our full and flourishing life being sent with him so that we might make known to the world what Jesus has done in our lives. God blesses the world by sending his people every single day. Sometimes when we hear things like, here I am, send me, we think, well, 
He means send me across the world to those people for that one time or that one week or that one season. But God desires to use most of us exactly where he has us. What would change in your life if you prayed, send me every single day to the places where you're going? Two weeks ago, Pastor Ron preached on the prayer, let your will be done. And he talked about how he had prayed that in his life and God moved him from a business career into pastoral ministry. But what he said was, for most of us, that's not the shift. For most of us, God actually desires just to use us where he already has us. And so he sends us into neighborhoods, into families, into schools, into workplaces. God sends us that we might go on behalf of his desires to see all of those people. From those who we love to see to those who we try to avoid. Know his love and his mercy and compassion in their lives. You see, God is a sending God. Jesus is a sending Savior. The church is a sent church. CPC is a sent church to Edina and into the world. Every Christ follower is a sent Christ follower. There is no life with Jesus apart from being sent. After he rises from the dead and comes back and spends time with his disciples, he sends them out into the world. That was his intention all along. Your life with Jesus is meant to be a sent life. Two years ago, I preached my first sermon here at CPC, and And I told you the story of my first job. I know you all remember it. (laughs) My first job happened because I was 17 years old and I was laying around the house all summer and my dad said, son, you need a job. So he sent me to a temp agency and they assigned me to the graveyard shift of a fiberglass plant. So my job was to go in at midnight and stand on an assembly line and take sheets of fiberglass and stack them over and over and over and turn and put them in a machine, hit a button that would send them down to be bagged and do it all over again, all night long. I was terrible at this, by the way. Terrible at it. Embarrassingly bad. All night long, I got yelled at by supervisors. They kept having to stop the assembly line for me. It was awful. It was awful. And I went home, and I was on the verge of tears, and I said, I can't do this again. (laughs) I want a job, but I can't do that again. And so graciously, my parents said, well, go to the temp agency and just ask if you can be placed somewhere else. So I went to the temp agency, and I said, I'll do anything but fiberglass, uh, fiberglass insulation. And they said, okay, we'll find you something else. So a couple days later, I got a phone call, and they said, there's a commercial real estate project being finished, and we need someone to work with the brick masons. I said, that sounds great. I will gladly do that. So my job was to show up, to follow around the brick masons, to pick up their trash, to bring them what they needed. Sounded like a piece of cake. So I show up the first day on the job, walk through the gates, and the foreman meets me on the grounds, and he said, uh... The project's a few weeks behind schedule. We're not ready for the brick masons yet. I'm going to need you to hang fiberglass insulation. (laughs) 
And I did it. I mean, I spent two weeks in the hot Alabama sun hanging insulation. In my hometown, there's still a building that I drive by that I go, I hung the insulation in that building. It's probably not very effective. (laughs) I had said, sure, I'll take a job. Send me. And I didn't get to dictate what I got. Right? If I wanted a job, that's what I had to do. And sometimes when we raise our hand and we say, send me, we don't get to dictate and control the outcome. See, the point of praying, send me, is not to say, God, give me what I want. The point of praying, send me, is to say, God, I want to be used. Send me where you'll take me, where I'll go, where you'll use me. And it may be uncomfortable. It may not be uncomfortable. It doesn't have to be. It may be hard. It might be right up your alley. But again, the point is to say, God, I want to be used. I won't settle for a life of selfishness and comfort. Right? To pray, send me, can be dangerous because it'll take us out into the world. But God says, who will go for me? Who will go for me? Can we be those who can raise our hands and say, send me? When we pray, send me, we are intentionally asking God to use us to be a blessing to the world, no matter how uncomfortable it might make us. May our prayer lives be dangerous as we invite God to use us as he sees fit. Because life Being sent with Jesus is the only life he has for us. I want to give you a few moments to meditate on this. I want to give you a few moments. You had a prayer card in your bulletin that looks like this. And on the back it says, here I am, send me my prayer this week. And I just want to give you some time to write a prayer to express your heart, to express what you're wrestling with when it comes to asking God to send me. It might be a, 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 a complicated, large ask. It might be something that's simple. But for, for you to pray, send me, what would it look like for you to learn to pray, send me on a regular basis? And, and hopefully this is a prayer you can take and write and keep in front of you for the next few weeks to remind you of what God's been speaking into your life. So let me pray for us And the band's going to play a song as you spend some time with the Lord. Holy and loving God, thank you for this time. We thank you for your word, for your words to Isaiah, for the ways in which you beckoned his life to respond to your goodness and the ways in which you have beckoned our life to respond to your gospel. That you have forgiven us of our sin and set us free that our lives would never be the same. So as we wrestle with what it means to be sent, would you speak to our hearts? that we would cry holy and that you would use us. In Jesus' name, amen.